gentlemen, welcome back to the Shoeless Joe's podcast, soon to be the podcast heard around the world. Well, Mike, it looks like we made it. When we first started this podcast, there were no sports at all. In, in, in hindsight, Isaiah, that was a terrible time to start a podcast. But no, 100%, 100%. What were we thinking? We were thinking we'd get here to the NBA Finals, to LeBron James. I mean, technically, we were right. We're here. We've arrived. Yeah, we are here. We bet on ourselves, and we made it. Always bet on sounds, the house. Sounds like LeBron James' philosophy when he traded for Anthony Davis. But we're finally here, and we're very excited. Tomorrow is the long-awaited NBA Finals in the Orlando bubble. And I, for one, could not be more excited to see LeBron James wipe the floor with Jimmy Butler. Uh, wipe the floor is strong. Um, the teeth are the, the Heat are a scrappy team, and I think we should give them more credit than we're about to on this podcast. Um, but yeah, LeBron James and those LA Lakers look extremely strong, and what a great matchup and story for him to be facing off against. You know, the team he won his first championship with, and the coach, the coach who helped him get there. So I think yeah. it'd be very interesting to see how exactly they scheme around that. Um, but with, before we even get to the NBA Finals, we have to talk about how we got there. I think we got to look back to the two teams who got left behind in this process, the Boston Celtics, as well as the Denver Nuggets. Um, I think starting off with the Nuggets, I think they, they're leaving that series feeling like they missed a lot of opportunities. Um, game, what was it, game two or three, where Anthony Davis hit the game winner especially. Um, I know that one definitely leaves a sour taste in their mouth just because sure. they had that game, one bad defensive possession, and all of a sudden they're behind the eight ball. Um, and I think that even down the stretch of a lot of games, they were they were right there, and they just couldn't close it out. A lot of it had to do with LeBron James and Anthony Davis just taking over. But what, where, what do you think about Denver, how they've competed in that series, and where they'll move going forward? Um, well, on the contrary, I think they should – uh, hold their heads up high and be happy that they got as far as they did. I mean, th- they happened to fall 3-1 in every single playoff series they played in. And they fought in the first two. Um, and even the second one, no one thought they'd be able to claw out of it. But, oh, claw, Kawhi reference, sorry. But they, um, they'd be able to get out of it. But um, they did. It's LeBron James and the Lakers also playing that many games probably takes a toll on your team, uh, you know, but they put up a valiant effort. Uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray um, look like a deadly combo for the future. And that's for sure with people springing up like Michael Porter Jr., who, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to compare him to Kevin Knox because I know how upset Michael get. But, um, you know, how they took a chance on him with his bad back. <laughs> Um, and how he made it, how, and and how how well he played in the playoffs. Um, even like you know, it seemed a little disruption in team chemistry when he was asking for the ball a little more, you know. But that kind of confidence in a player is, I guess, good in a young player. Key pieces like uh, Jeremy Grant and then veteran leadership with Paul Millsap. I think the team is still poised to um, do, if not the same, uh, you know, maybe a little less worse, but they'll be a dominant team in the West for years to come because they're so young. No, I agree. I think that I think that the, their roster will also look a lot different going into next year. Um, I think that when you look at Jeremy Grant, 
he's going to get paid and are they willing to pay him that 15 million a year in that 15 million dollar year uh, range that would be very interesting to see um especially when you have players like we talked about we have bull bull sitting on the bench his entire bubble i mean not bubble his playoff run especially after what he we did in the bubble so it'll be very interesting to see what they do with him we talked about michael porter jr um obviously offensively he has all the talent in the world but playing within the the system and the scheme was a problem at times and even during that utah series that, there was points where he was absolutely unplayable defensively um so I think it'll be very interesting to see what they do because I think that when you look at Bull Bull or Michael Porter Jr., you have you have an asset there that has value around the league and can be moved to improve other parts of your roster. So if they feel that that fit is not ideal, that, that avenue is always open for them. But I think when you have that young duo coming like coming to fruition in front of our eyes as well as a great coach in um, Mike Malone. Yeah. But, yeah, I forgot his name for a second. Um, Mike Malone. Um, I almost said Mike Miller, Jesus Christ. Um, but I think that they have a very bright future. It should be very interesting to see because there's a lot of moving parts, what they do with Gary Harris, um, pieces on their bench like Plumlee, uh, Tory Craig, um, even Will Barton, see where they go with that. Um, but transitioning to a to the Celtics now, what I, I'm I'm like stuck in between here with Boston. Um, I know that there's moves to be made. I don't know, I don't know how flexible they are. Um, especially in this draft pick that they have now at the tail end of the lottery looms even larger now. Um, what what do you think that their downfall was and where do you think that they need to improve? Well, they went out and picked up Kimba Walker, who was one of the uh, bigger free agent signings um, of this past offseason. But I think just production from the players – um, was very key because it seemed Kimba came up a little short sometimes, or maybe Jason Tatum wasn't, you know, hitting on his shots, and the team couldn't come together, and it didn't seem like they worked without the play of their star players. Um, Brad Stevens is a great coach, but he's more of a defensive scheming coach, and I think Tice is good, uh, but obviously a much more uh, capable a big man would be a big threat and would really help that team uh, progress way forward. But I mean, they're young still, um, which is good. Kimba's um, not all the way up there, but he's he's one of the oldest older on the team. Uh, Marcus Smart, um, not in the conference finals, but throughout the playoffs, showed a lot to me. Um, he was hitting a lot of big shots. He was scoring more than he did um, being a uh, he made the first team all defense this year, right? So uh, he did a lot more scoring than, you know, what was expected of him that probably pushed them over the edge in a couple of games. And then a seven-game series against Toronto, which um, in my prediction, in our playoff predictions earlier, I was saying was going to be probably, you know, one of the best series um, that we're going to see throughout the entire playoffs. Uh, I'm sure that took a toll on them. But the Heat are a good team. I mean, even going into the NBA Finals, I don't, I don't think they'll get swept. I think they can steal a game, which says a lot, um, especially how people compare, you know, the East and the West, saying um, how much more dominant Western teams are. I agree. I think that – I think what Boston's downfall was a lot of this playoffs was just they couldn't win the close game. And I find, I find that really weird when you consider the amount of high-level high scoring options that they have on that team. Um, but I think that's where, like, the experience kicks in. Um, just not having to handle all that pressure um, and 
not that they like I don't even say that they really like folded in game six. But other than that, they were, they just couldn't hit that last shot. Um, and they they really fought, but like they they the the way the way that they beat Toronto was very impressive to me because they showed great character and beating a championship team that's been there and done that. Um, right. But and then they come against Miami, and I guess Miami just wanted it more. And I think like I think honestly, them blowing out Miami in Game Five was was worse for them than them winning a close game, just because you knew how Butler and company would respond after getting kind of like embarrassed down the stretch of that game. Um, and I think, yeah, for sure. and I think from like a, a team building perspective for Boston moving forward, I think Tice is a good player, but I don't think he can be your starting center. I think you need to fill in in that starting center position. Um, obviously it's a big hit for them that Hayward picks up that $34 million a year um, player option. That's obviously it was a given he was going to accept it because no one's give, no one would give him anything more than like 15 right now, but we injured twice. Yeah, so that that really hurts them from a team building perspective, and they would have to attach a good amount of draft capital to get off that contract down the road. Um, and then questions arise about Kemba. Um, I mean, I, I expected a little bit more from Kemba. However, he was he was solid, but I think when a lot of people talk about Kemba going to a, a a legitimate team in a bigger market, we expected to see like crazy moments from Kemba in the playoffs but I mean it's understandable when you have Tatum and Brown next to him um but I think that they there's definitely I expect them to be in a similar position again next season I think that there's definitely tweaks that can be fixed just to make this team more rounded and more modern um and I think like when talking about Marcus Smart I think it's really impressive because like the contract that Marcus Smart is on when they paid him everyone thought it was ridiculous but now you look at it and it's one of the best value contracts in the NBA and from a Knicks perspective, like I think that's a similar deal that the Knicks should try to sign Frank Nielakina to as his contract comes to an end because I think he's one of the I think they're similar in that I think like literally through their first three years, their stat their their shooting percentages, like points per game, all that stuff was basically identical. Um and then they took the they Marcus March took that next step and hopefully we could see that from Frank in year four as well. But I think one you can't teach the the willingness to move the ball to to defend the other team's best player, I think those are the winning plays that don't that go don't go unnoticed. And if you can sign a player like that to 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 be there when your team becomes that competitive team, I think that is something that the Knicks should consider. Um, yeah, he's a great glue guy, and um, you know, I I don't know if um Frank has you know um I'll never forget that one time when um LeBron James um. You know, LeBron James and Frank went at it at the Garden, and um, Frank didn't back down. So I, I, you can tell he's confident, and you can tell he walks around with some kind of swag, uh, you know, being uh, nicknamed the Prince of New York. But he, um, he, I, I don't know if he's that much of a glue guy. Like uh, Marcus Smart is like pretty vocal and um, somewhat of a leader in the locker room, even though he does flop a lot on the court, which um, is a hundred percent annoying to watch. Um, but he does do a lot um, for that team as a glue guy. And, um, you know, Frank Nielakina could be that. And I think that's the fear in trading a Frank Nielakina is him him being that for, like, another team, you know? And um, us missing out on that and not being able to build around that um, when people would, you know, clown us for um, drafting, you know, um, not only um, a player who didn't uh, produce that much in his first couple of years, but... Um, you know, a foreign player like we did with Chris Stops and how we've been, you know, trash for that. 
I mean, and that's a lot of the fear with the Knicks looking at Killian Hayes in the draft. And it's just, I mean, I think that's lazy because <laughs> they're different yeah. players. But people hear French now, and all of a sudden, that they're scared, it's going to be Frank Lakina. And I, when yeah, I hear French, I say, I say, wow, Frank is fantastic. So another one, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, on a, we're going to transition to a different note. And one of the big stories yesterday that really shook the NBA landscape, um, Doc Rivers and the Clippers coming to agreement to to part ways. And I think that caught a lot of us off guard. We thought, like, if a move was going to happen, it would have came more immediately after the, the they blew that lead to the Nuggets. But now the news trickles in, and it seems like it was kind of agreement on both sides. But it more looks like it's Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, trying to shake things up and and see, like, why we, ha- we have these two players. We're supposed to have this super team. And what exactly happened? Maybe they need a different voice. What What do you think went wrong with the Clippers, and where do you think Doc goes from here? Well, um, I mean, we said this before. I'm sure team chemistry played um, some kind of a role, um, you know, in how bad the Clippers did this year. But the Clippers were the number two seed um, after the bubble. Were, were they the number two seed going into the bubble? No, they climbed, I think, throughout the bubble. But um, they weren't a bad team. And they were – when we first made this podcast and predicted our uh, – made our finals predictions – we both had the Clippers going to the finals. Like even Safford, LeBron James, you even joked around with LeBron James losing in the first round, which is disrespect. We may talk about um, a little later on, but the, the Clippers were everybody's finals pick. I mean, taking Paul George, who um, is one of the top two way players in the league. And then Kawhi Leonard, who um, I would argue is the best two way player in the league we've seen. Um, and sometimes since like, you know, like a Michael Jordan um, being someone who can, you know, have the ball in their hands, I think um, everybody thought and had high expectations for them. Um, Doc Rivers has been with this team for some time now from when they were Lob City uh, with DeAndre Blake and Chris Paul and trying to build championship teams there um, to what they've become now. And even when they were um, even getting them to the playoffs last year. Um, with just Lou Will, you know, like they, they and Shea, and Shea Gilgis Alexander was there too, but um, they, they've been. I, I don't know if moving away from Doc Rivers was the right decision. Um, I don't know who they're looking to next. I know Ty Lu was on, was an assistant coach for the team, but I don't know if they're looking at him or who they're gonna go after to coach this team. Um, but. I mean, still, the way Kawhi and Paul George played during that series, I mean, Paul George is probably one of the biggest stories out of the bubble, out of the bubble playoffs about how terrible he's been playing. Uh, People were killing him all the time. And then to put up, he had like 10 points in the game seven, the closeout game um, against Denver. It was kind of disappointing. And so um, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if you can really put the blame on Doc for that. Um, but I guess maybe it wasn't working out. I mean, I, it's interesting because, I mean, I think, like, Doc is obviously a great coach, but I feel like when that collapsed in the manner that it did, somebody something was going to change. Um, and, I mean, things still might change so in, in terms of roster moves and stuff like that, but, I mean, I think that they're in a very interesting position because it's not like they have Paul George and Kawhi locked up for long term. Like, they have one more year and then an opt-out. So, basically, like, especially with, like, the way players sign contracts now, they're basically on one-year deals right now. 
and they the Clippers have to do everything they can to make them believe that they're gonna win and that like that they have a reason to even think about opting in or staying long term. Um especially when you see how like how Kawhi's decision came down to the wire and we know how the NBA landscape is gonna shift drastically this offseason. They're 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 under a lot of pressure and then this this next coach better be the guy because when you fire when you fire someone like Doc Rivers who's well respected and has a very detailed resume as a coach, if you bring in the next guy and they and they have a worse result somehow, then you can basically kiss Kawhi and PG like goodbye. <laughs> so so it's there this is a bold move by Steve Ballmer to to make a move and it'll be very interesting to see how that turns out. Um and I think for Doc from here, I think he has his options. He people were talking about New Orleans. I don't know if that's something that he wants. He wants to be part of a rebuild, or he wants to go take on the challenge of Philly, where they again. That it, it, if he goes to Philly, he's in a very similar position to which he was with the Clippers just now, um, trying to make pe- team a team that doesn't appear to coexist work. And I don't know if he wants to do that, especially with the, well the me- the media scrutiny that comes with Philly, but also seeing the personalities that and like the injury history that he just had in LA, if he wants to repeat a similar scenario all over again. But I mean, I think he, I think I could definitely see him betting on himself and taking on that challenge. Um, yeah, I agree. He's got a job almost anywhere he wants to go, you know, who hasn't just newly signed a head coach or is sticking with a head coach that they have. Um, regardless of winning the one championship he did with Boston, he's proven himself to be a good coach, getting teams into the playoffs, which, um, you know, a lot of these real rebuilding teams now that are coming into dominance um, probably do respect and um, would appreciate. I think he um, he's he's a good coach, and yeah, he wasn't to blame for um, what happened with the Clippers. Um, it's really on him uh, to where he want to go. So I think he has a lot of time and a lot of leverage, so he should probably wait out. Um, we hear we've heard stories about Philly um, trying to make moves, um, whether it's trading one of those big stars in Ben Simmons or Embiid, or um, you know going out to get I forgot who they were talking. I think Buddy Hill or something like that. Like um, what kind of moves certain teams make before he joins a team and gets himself into a situation where he might not want to be. Um, but I mean, I myself, <laughs> if it matters, respect Doc Rivers as a coach. So wherever um, wherever he wants to go, I think he should just take his time, um, evaluate his options, and get to where he needs to be. Someone is going to be really, really lucky um, to get a coach like him. I agree. And now that we discussed the losers, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's focus on the two teams who's made it to these these odd NBA finals. And for, first things first, I just think it's going to be so weird, like. I just like I just kept thinking that whole Boston series. Like, can you imagine if this was at like in Miami or at the like, uh, yeah. Garden? Like, and like obviously you can see the intensity is there. Like, you can see the quality of basketball is there, but like you can always feel that and like notice as a fan that that something is missing. Um, but I think like especially, especially in the playoffs, right? And I think I think it's gonna be like I think it's gonna be very interesting because I think LeBron and like Jimmy Butler and all those guys intensity is gonna like elevate to a whole nother level. So you're going to, I think it could be a very interesting experience just to see like, because regardless of fans in the crowd or not, there's legacy points behind this. Like this is, this is for Jimmy Butler. This might be like a once in a lifetime, unless they sign somebody else. Like the odds of them repeating this run that they had are very, are not, I wouldn't say are likely. 
So I think we're going to see like a, a intensity and competitiveness that we haven't even seen yet in the bubble, um, especially for LeBron. Cause like, like you, like everyone like notices just like LeBron just sitting there, like even after they won the conference finals and just like, he's not even remotely like amused. Like he, he, he know why he came to Orlando and why he's in the bubble. And I don't think he's going to let anything stand in his way. Um, what do you think, Zach? Uh, yeah, I think um, same thing. I think similar mindsets, different players. LeBron, um, LeBron is there on business, uh, just as Jimmy Butler is when they were, um, you know, allowing players to bring in family and stuff. Jimmy Butler respectfully declined and said, "They don't, they don't need to be here right now. Like I, I have a goal. I don't need any distractions or anything." Um, and LeBron um, only brought his wife. Uh, not gonna get into why, because uh, he loves her. But um, I, I mean, they're both on missions, and I think that plays great into um, the narrative for the finals. Um, I do agree with you um, with imagine the games where, you know, at Staples and um, the United, United Airlines, wherever they play. That, that, sounds, um, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> American Airlines? I don't, I don't know. Wherever they play, um, wherever the Miami Heat play in Miami, um, like, and going to those two crazy, I mean, imagine, like, forget COVID and everything, the the boom and um, power of, like, L.A., Silicon Valley, California, um, and how big the Lakers are as a dynasty, and then what LeBron built <laughs> in Miami, and, um, you know, that being a party town already, I feel like um, we are kind of missing out. I'm happy and I'm grateful. I don't, I don't, I'm not taking it for granted, however, um, how great this series could be, um, you can imagine, would be tremendous. And but I, oh, good. No, I'm gonna say from like an X's and O's perspective, like just simply basketball. What, who do you think has the advantage, and what are some matchups that you really are excited to see? Um, well, for sure, um, Bam with a thirty point. Do you have a triple double last year? Like no, almost, I think no, no, yeah, it was 30 and like 15, right? Or something yeah. like that? Yeah, well, the big game he's put on and the way he's been playing um, for the Heat, him versus AD is going to be big for sure. Uh, who can tough it out? AD, AD are also part of the narrative. He's never been on this stage before. LeBron James bringing him in, grooming him and, you know, putting him on this stage, saying, and as he's been feeding him, Anthony Davis has said, you know, throughout the entire playoffs, like, you're the man, you're the guy, um, this team runs on you, you know, when you play great, we are great, and so, um, LeBron, um, being that savant he is, getting his, um, players involved in his best player, his best weapon, I think he's ever had his entire career, um, you know, streamlined and ready to perform big on this stage, so Bam versus AD is going to be big, um, LeBron versus Eric Spolstra, um, not to count out Frank Vogel, but um, Eric Spolstra is going to have to game plan against LeBron, and he does know his tendencies. However, um, like a fine wine, LeBron has gotten better over time and changed his game. He's more of a shooter now um, than he was in Miami when teams would play him like the Spurs and force him to shoot. Um, now he has a big man in the middle you got to worry about, and it messes up the spacing. Um, so we'll see if Le- who ha- who you know takes advantage of what's being thrown at them. If Spolstra can game plan against LeBron and this Lakers team, 
um, or if LeBron can beat uh, whatever Eric Spolstra is trying to throw at him, which I no. believe in the latter. I mean, yeah, those are the Spolstra thing is very like underrated, and like who really has the advantage because the same way that Spolstra knows LeBron, LeBron knows Spolstra and how he wants to coach, and the way he likes the game plan. So that could be that could both work either way, or it could even be a wash. Who really knows? Um, but the matchup I like to see, I think, like when you look at Bam and Anthony Davis, I think that Bam is one of the most versatile defenders that the NBA has right now. Mm. Um, being able to, especially being able to guard uh, a a big Anthony Davis who can play on the perimeter, can do it in the low post. I think that Bam will, as if Bam can stay out of foul trouble, I think that would be a fantastic matchup. I assume that Jimmy is probably going to be on LeBron, um, and I think that obviously no one stops LeBron. But if you can neutralize him a little bit or keep him in check that could be big and i think like this this series is really going to come down to the role player matchups like tyler hero and alex caruso um igadawa and kuzma Dragic and rondo um duncan robinson oh, oh, i mean i right like that like it seems like they match like the, the role players on each team have a similar game right so it's going to be a battle of really who does it better and i think like Obviously, the duo of LeBron and AD gives the Lakers a head start in that scenario. But also, we've seen the Lakers kind of just shy away from JaVale now. It's kind of just been Dwight and AD. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be very interesting because when you look at the Miami Heat, they don't have that true big to compete with Dwight. But if you look at in terms of like their backups, right, and you bring in Olenek who can stretch the floor like, well beyond the yeah. three-point line and pull Dwight out of the paint, it opens up so much for the offense. And we know how Dragic likes to get to the hoop. Butler likes to get to the hoop, even Hero at times. So mm -hmm. I think the floor spacing is very interesting. And then the other key is can the Lakers keep making shots? Because that's what got them to that Denver series. Obviously, LeBron and AD were spectacular, but KCP was knocked down. Danny Green, after first a rough two or three games, turned it around. Mm -hmm. Um and we saw them making open shots. And with the heat zone, the way to beat that team, if you're if you're not making threes, like we saw with the Celtics down the stretch, if you're not making threes against that zone, you're in trouble. Yeah, so, so the three-point shooting of the Los Angeles Lakers is honestly the key to this series. Um, but with that being said, I do think they found their rhythm. I I like the heat. I like the culture they have. I like the competitive nature they play with. But I just don't know if they have enough, especially enough against a extremely motivated LeBron James. So I say Lakers in six. Um, yeah, that's a good prediction. I, I mean, uh, mine is close with Lakers in five. Um, every series they've been has been five, and they're able to shut out games. LeBron is, um, you know, notorious for um, usually the first game he'll do it, but some games he'll. Um, you know, he'll sit back and um, analyze what, like, what's going on, what's happening, team tendencies or whatever, and then game plan on how to beat them if he doesn't beat them in that game. Um, but I think, I think the series six is a good number. I'm kind of leaning six now after you after just hearing it. Um, but it's a good number because, like, the Lakers this season have like held, kept games really close sometimes you know and jumped out to big leads like the Celtics were in a lot of the games they played against the Heat after the first half was over they were up pretty big um but closing out the games they couldn't do 
if LeBron and AD are able to do that, um, then I think they should win a majority of the games. But if you let up any little bit, the Heat are just so scrappy, um, you know, defensively getting good points and taking smart shots and hitting big shots. Um, guys like, you know, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, um, you know, being the story of um, that Eastern Conference Finals um, and how well he played and how clutch he was um, would be really big. And I, I would hate to see LeBron get beat that way. But I, I have seen LeBron get rattled and nervous and, you know, end up losing that way. No, I agree. And I think the Heat have the bodies to throw at LeBron James as well with Crowder, Butler, Iggy, if it comes to it, like Derek Jones. Um, mm-hmm. just, just people people who you are scrappy. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> um, um, the scrap on the floor. It's a game-winning shot in game seven. <laughs> oh, rise, rise off into the sunset. Um, but, I mean, I think it'll be a very interesting matchup, and I think that people see LeBron, and I think that they look at the Heat, and people want to see the Celtics matchup, because that would be a better series. But, I mean, the better team won that series, and I think we're going to get a great finals regardless, and I'm very excited for tomorrow night. Um, with that being said, we're going to transition <laughs> to a sport that we both don't like at the moment. And that's where excitement doesn't carry over for the, for the last, for the last three weeks, Sundays have literally been the worst day of my week. And it's not even the last, for the last, for the last 10 years. Well, no, 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 no. Especially these three weeks in specific, because not only are my New York football jets, uh, the laughing stock of the NFL and Sam Darnold is on the verge of tears on the, on the sideline every week. Um, so you're Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> yeah, that, so, so am I looking at my fantasy app every every weekend. Um, shout out to Joshua Kelly and his two points. Shout out to uh, Chenault on the Jaguars and his three points. Um, shout out to Josh Allen. Yeah, well, that's the only thing keeping me alive right now. But shout out Matthew Barry and his inaccurate projections on ESPN.com. Matthew really Barry do. is the worst. If this podcast ever rivals the giant, the juggernaut that is ESPN, I want Matthew Barry to know that I hate him and his fantasy show. Um, what that other guy who's there's another guy on there who's always trying to make jokes. He has a beard and a name like one of those corny oh my yeah, 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 yeah. or something like that. Bro, yeah. I can't stand them. I cannot stand them. And Field Yates, goddamn! Yeah. Oh, Field Yates is the worst. Dude, Dude so I just, funny. I'm just, I just don't understand. Like, bro, I put Chenault in my lineup. They said, oh yeah, he projected nine and a half, three. All right, cool. He's projected Joshua Kelly projected ten and a half, ten and a half as a as a second string running back. I said, well, they know something that I don't know. They must, right? Two points, bro, and I lose by six. Also, the Tennessee Titans defense can't stop a nosebleed. Oh, so, God. and. I mean, the Eagles' defense is terrible, and they got eight sacks, so they got the eight Eagles points. The Eagles are terrible. The I Eagles I don't, are terrible. I just – I don't even – and now we're going to get to it in a little bit with COVID. I don't even know if I can start David Johnson this week. I, I'm 0-3, if you guys couldn't tell by the anger in my voice. And <laughs> Hasn't um, won once. <laughs> hasn't, hasn't won once, and neither has any team in, in the greater tri-state area. Um, <laughs> so who would you, what disappointment would you want to get to first, Isaiah, the Jets or the Giants? Uh, I think we started off with the Giants um, the last week, and since the the Giants played the 49ers, who we already spoke heavily about last week with the Jets, I think we should go Jets. Uh, that's um, a big story. I think the Jets have a lot more going on, and um, I think if you want to get those tears out now before we get on to our other topics, I think you should do that early. 
It's funny because for the last two weeks, I've been getting so mad. How funny about- is it? <laughs> <laughs> Who's on first? Um, I I just think like I was I was getting so mad every game. It was like Trevor Lawrence, ah, Trevor Lawrence first pick. Trevor Lawrence first pick. They should draft Trevor Lawrence. And then <laughs> Sunday was the first day where after the game, I said, "Well." <laughs> Hey, threw it from the logo on flat footed to the end. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. Maybe you should consider that. Um, yeah. but I don't. I mean, reports came out before the game about Gase being on the hot seat, and I said, finally. Um, and and the game starts, and the offense looked like an actual NFL offense for a little bit, and I was like, oh Jesus Christ, and. <laughs> And this time, it wasn't completely Gase's fault. It was this one that was on Sam Darnold. And it, I I don't know. I think, like, obviously, we, we all have an attachment to players with the, your team drafts, which is why I have a Frank Nelkina jersey. Um, but I think, like, I, I really don't know where to stand on Sam Darnold because I know he has all the talent in the world. But I'm just wondering if what Gase has done to him in this offense and, like, neutering him in a way is kind of, like, setting him back for, like, irreparable, like, damage to his career and, like, the way he analyzes the game and stuff. Um, like, because people talk about when a quarterback starts getting happy feet, like, there's not really coming back from that. And that you put him behind a garbage offensive line for two years and let him get beat up. And maybe, like, some of those tendencies <laughs> are different. That PTSD. <laughs> yeah, are just stuck. And yeah. I it, – it's tough because, like, I, when I look at, like, when you hear about the Trevor Lawrence stuff, like, from a talent perspective, like, he has looks to be generational, right? But when you're talking about the Jets who are getting blown out by – they haven't played a game within, like, what, 17 points yet? And, like, Trevor Lawrence is not going to fix that. Trevor Lawrence is – just because they have Trevor Lawrence doesn't mean that, what, Josh Malone and Braxton Barris are going to be all-stars, like, like all pro wide receivers. It doesn't mean that they're going to have a pass rusher. It doesn't mean that they're going to have capable corners. Like there's so many holes in this team that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the, it it isn't like, I think that like if Sam Darnold's on the open market right now, there'd be teams clamoring to get their hands on Sam Darnold from a talent, from a talent perspective. And there, you can see it in some of the games. He, he does make some unbelievable throws. Um, but like you're hinting at, like they're, the weaponry, especially with the injuries right now, um, he doesn't mm-hmm. have Denzel Mims, um, who you were high on. He doesn't have um, Perriman, who went out a couple weeks ago. He, did he have? He doesn't have Crowder. I haven't had Crowder. Yeah, he, like he's he has no weapons whatsoever. He doesn't have Le'Veon Bell, um, who was you know boasting all offseason about how he's in the best shape of his life, you know, and ready to um, you know have a have one of the best seasons he's ever had but he doesn't have any of those weapons and then um you know makai becton can only block one side of the line and, and makai block and makai becton gets hurt in that game so it's like yeah it's just i it's i don't know they're in such a bad place right now and it's only getting worse. It, it's scary because like obviously like, i believe in joe douglas a lot but this whole time this is happening he's sitting on 30 million dollars in cap space like you couldn't have go. You couldn't have, like the Giants ended up with Logan Ryan. You couldn't have got Logan Ryan. Like you couldn't have brought in like a veteran wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, just some like anything. Like what? Like what are you? What are you like hoarding all this money for? Um, and obviously, like I think like his first. It was like his first real offseason as GM, and I think like he has a big plans ahead. Um, and I like I just saw like I saw some nonsense on Twitter. Like someone was talking about like they drafted a quarterback in the fourth round, like a backup, like. I don't even know, like, James Morgan, his name, I think, is. Um, 
from Florida Atlantic, and I'm like, oh, maybe maybe Joe Douglas drafted him because he wasn't sold on Sam Darnold. It's just like, <laughs> shut up, bro. Like, yeah. if you don't like Sam Darnold, say you don't like Sam Darnold. But like, I'm tired of like all these like like these hypotheticals and like these what ifs. Like, I, I don't think Sam Darnold's a problem. Nothing. I don't think Sam Darnold's a problem at all. Um, like I, I think that they need to do something before it's too late. And I how but how can you evaluate? How can you evaluate Sam Darnold when the best weapon he's had in New York is Robbie Anderson? And Robbie Anderson's doing good in Carolina, but besides that, who was the best number two that he's had? Mm-hmm. Like Jermaine Curse at one point. Like it it no running game. Like no like not much creativity in the offense. Just very vanilla. Like I'm I I I, I don't know. I just I can't watch these games because like it's not even like it's not even like I know what Sam Darnold is or is not. It's not like, like, like there's like Sam Darnold should not take more heat than Baker Mayfield does. Like, right. Having you, all the weapons in the world. Like every weapon possible at his disposal, like an elite running game, like, like elite wide receivers, elite uh, tight ends, two of the everything. Best tight ends. Everything. One of the, one, like, like the, probably the best backfield in all of football. The defensive end, he has the best pass rusher in the NFL. Like he, as helmets, one of the best corners. Like <laughs> the best racist puncher, um, <laughs> dude. Like he has it all, and their and their stats are like similar. So, and meanwhile, like Kyler Murray has thrown what, like has like what five or six turnovers already this year. Yeah, and like I guess like it's, I mean they're winning, so it's a different thing. But mm-hmm. I I just, I mean, and they're playing. Denver this week against like their third string quarterback and like part of me wants him to get like blown out because like then Adam Gates is absolutely doomed but like right as, as a fan like get something good happens though yeah like I don't like what is like what is winning game like it sucks like what is winning like to have like, that this early in the season also sucks it's terrible it's like yeah. which I'm sure you're used to but I mean still I mean yeah but usually like even before last year the Jets are like three and three and it's like all right like there's a like there's something here Patrick Fitzpatrick um wasn't bad he's always capable for any team but even even Darnold's rookie year they were like three and three Mm -hmm. um and then it like fell apart but like then the excuse of him having mono last year I mean yeah and then um it's just brutal um but let's bring in Isaiah's Giants so he can (laughs) because misery loves company well uh the Jets were uh like Usain Bolt in a race running away from the rest of the NFL. And then a blast from the past. And Michael Johnson and the New York Giants ran and caught up with them. And the Giants look absolutely awful. I I don't I don't know I don't know how to feel about any of the coaching. Um Joe Judge sounds great in interviews about the games. All right, let me start let me start like this. Coming into this week, I saw Mike and his Jets get dismantled by um, the 49ers, but I also saw the MetLife turf dismantle the 49ers within the same game. (laughs) (laughs) To an already injured 49ers team. I mean, Nick Mullins, I feel like I'm about to do a Francesa kind of rant, but, like, Nick, I mean – I don't know. To to get blown out the way the Giants did to a worse team than the Jets played. I, it, by a worse margin. It just well. hurt. Yes, yes, by a worse margin. It did hurt. It did it did hurt 
it hurt um a lot to watch. I mean, J- I don't know what I'm seeing out of Jason Garrett, who couldn't do anything with Dak Prescott, who offensively is having a a pretty good season this year. I I don't know. There's no creativity. The loss of Saquon, I guess. I mean, but st- even when Saquon was there, they couldn't get a run. Uh, he had like what, like f- five yards in the first game. I mean, Freeman didn't look bad though. Like, no, Devontae Freeman, Devontae Freeman looked good, and he is fine. Um, he was just injury prone, so that's what got him kicked out of the league before. But I mean, I mean, if that can open anything up, if it, you know, you use Dion Lewis and the pass catching work. I mean, I feel like I just continue to feel like there's so many weapons on the offense. And then this guy, Daniel Jones, continuing to turn the ball over every week. I mean, if I could see one game without him turning, even almost turning the ball over. I mean, I don't want to see him, like, fumble the ball even once, even if they recover it. I don't care if he fumbles the ball forward and they recover it for more yards. I I don't know. I, I it's It's very disappointing to watch this the Giants right now, the New York football Giants. And I've been running away from the Jets comparisons uh, for the first three games, but now it seems I can't because it seems the Giants can't, you know, take that step, that next step. We are missing people, the the Saquon Barkley and um, Sterling Shepard, who who was also taken out by turf, but I, I don't know. I'm just disappointed. I wish I wish the Giants and the Jets play each other this year, so one team can get a win before it's all said and done. Because I don't think there's ever been two and zero. I don't think there's ever been two zero and sixteen teams in the season, let alone the same stadium that they play. Um, the same I think stadium. Like, Jesus Christ! I I just like like my thing is like I look at like it's just like another level of coaching, like Shanahan compared to Gase compared to like Judge Jason Garrett, like. Yeah, like in terms of like, it 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 doesn't matter who's out there for the 49ers. They have an identity. They know how they're gonna play. They have the creativity to make you like the like. How many times they're gonna run a, a Brandon Ayuk end around, and how many times is it gonna work? Like, I mean, Garoppolo, their starting quarterback, is that kind of game manager guy. So, um, right. you know, a lot of it is heavy running. Like last year when they had Brita, um, Coleman, and then um, Mostert. Is damn near Super Bowl MVP. Is, was he Super Bowl MVP? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, like the, the Super Bowl MVP was your third string. I mean, that running back troop is crazy, and that identity of the 49ers just running that rock is like, dude, McKinnon goes down. Jeff Wilson has 18 fantasy points. Like, it does not matter who's – like, as long as there's yeah, someone behind – as long as there's – as long as – like, I could be me behind the offensive line. I'm getting at least 50 yards in a touchdown. <laughs> Like that's how that's how ridiculous their game planning and blocking. It's ridiculous. And pick up Mike Charles in your fantasy leagues. I'm saying I might have to pick him up because I don't even I know if streaming. <laughs> because the league has Is this me. <laughs> because no, it's funny because I was talking about it in the fantasy chat last night after I lost. I told him I was like, "Well, you know what? I hope the season gets shut down for COVID now." And then I woke up. <laughs> Everyone gets refunded on their fantasy, and nobody wins. Um, if I can't but, win. And uh, shout out Andrew. Andrew was like, "Bro, don't say that. Don't say that." 
And I was like, it's not like I have the power to change anything, but evidently <laughs> I do. So Mike is not a big believer in, uh, you know, jinx and anything of chance and possibility. Mike is on, Mike is on uh, free will and you make your own choices and you decide your fate. Correct. Um, and I, I don't think that me saying anything would have uh, jinxed the season, but maybe I should go, go buy a lot. People feel that way. Go maybe buy a lot. lottery ticket. <laughs> or maybe I shouldn't because my team is 0-3, so maybe I have no luck after all. Yeah. Um, but on that note, we're, we're referring to the, the, the mini COVID outbreak in the NFL. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the specifics of it. I know that there was some players on the Titans that tested positive, yeah. if I'm correct. I didn't um, even hear stories about them checking um, who the Titan. I don't even know who the Titan played last week. They played play the Vikings, um, oh. and I they apparently there's no positive test in the Vikings. But now they're saying the NFL is saying that the two teams that they match up with this weekend. Um, I know one. I know that Minnesota plays the Texans. I'm not sure who the Titans. The Titans play the Steelers, I think. Um, so I think that I think they're saying that these games might be in jeopardy. And obviously, from a fan's perspective, that would be terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But for an NFL perspective, that would also be really bad. And it puts the two teams who were not even uh, involved in this debacle in, in jeopardy. It throws out their game planning. Uh, I think I, it's how, how can the Titans even play a game this week if they're not allowed to have anyone in the building until Saturday? Yeah, um, how true. can you game plan? I mean, all they do is hand the ball to Derrick Henry mm-hmm. and then throw a play action in there. So, to John I mean, Smith. It can't be that difficult, but um, Tannehill's got an easy job. <laughs> the all jokes aside, I mean Tannehill looks better without Gase, so remember that one too. <laughs> um, all jokes aside, it it's a it's a scary situation. Hopefully, they have it under control because, I mean, we thought we were in the clear with that for now at least. Um, but I mean, if it's only one team and a few players, I think that they can grab have it under control. But who knows? As it gets colder, um, things can get worse again, and I. I mean, I wouldn't mind getting my thirty dollars back if I'm zero and three. But <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it plays out that way. I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully I'd, not. I'd prefer the NFL to finish, but um, I mean, Alvin the Chipmunks might have different uh, <laughs> ideas about it. The owner of Alvin the Chipmunks may have a different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. God forbid the season gets canceled because there's nothing good to come out of that. Even though, uh, the NBA will probably start up pretty soon. Uh, with them working on scheduling. Um, but, I mean, the NFL being in full swing, I think everyone's been enjoying Sundays, you know, um, enjoying these games. Um, I, I, ratings are probably through the roof. I haven't even checked the ratings, but I would assume ratings are through the roof, um, even though there may still be some kneeling going down. But um, <laughs> however you may feel on that topic, all listeners are welcome. Um Oh, this is matter. Um, so, so, um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> week two, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the NFL has been fun, and God forbid you hate to see that go. I'm, I, I don't know whether to expect that they are um important players on the Titans or not. Um, but I mean, not to get into like the science of COVID, but I mean, you can run tests and then. I mean, the tests have become more accurate, but it's possible that um, the virus, you know, stays dormant for some time, and then you have to run tests again, um, which was the fear. You know, this was the big fear coming into the season. Like, if this season starts, will it finish? The, it's easier to do it in a bubble when you can close everyone out and then make sure 
that none of it comes in and then, you know, um, make penalties and penalize for um, intrusion into the bubble. But the NFL has nothing like that. But they are taking precautions. Um, I hope this isn't a major setback for the league. The league does have a lot to do um, and has to get to work, you know, fixing this and fixing on the scheduling of this. But uh, very scary news. Very scary news. I mean, if anybody was to catch COVID in the NFL, I I know a guy who calls a place for New York Football Jets that wouldn't mind wouldn't mind catching it. So if that could be arranged, yeah. And then uh, Greg Williams calling place. You mean Jim Jim Bob Cooter? Jim Bob um, Cooter. That's actually the guy second in line, and I, I've heard people oh, on really? Twitter. Yeah, I've heard people on on Twitter clamoring for him too. So I think the Jets are absolutely doomed. Um, but. On that note, let's talk about the New York sports team that actually has a chance of winning something this year. Um, winning a that, first round, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Because they're pitching Shane Bieber tonight in his <laughs> one point, one point eight something ERA. Ridiculous. But um, that's the New York Yankees, and those Johnny. They, they have they have their first round, first game of the American League wild card today in the Bronx. Garrett Cole versus Shane Bieber. Um, and for me, it's time for Garrett Cole to earn that money that we paid him because when you bring in a guy like Garrett Cole, you're bringing him in for September, October, the, the pennant stretch to, to be the guy that you can go to game one and, and hold it down. And he's really going to have to earn his money tonight because it's not like the last couple of years, they got the pitchers that they the Yankees have faced in the first round of the playoffs have been – decent but they weren't legit like Shane Bieber, Shane, Shane Bieber is legit um he might win the Cy Young this year yeah eight and one uh, a remarkable ERA uh 1.63 to be exact which is terrifying I know it's a short season but that's still impressive so tonight the pressure's on Cole but the Yankees need to give him a little bit of run support because Honestly, two runs from two runs from Cole could be enough to bury the Yankees in a game like this. Um, and usually, the, the Yankees' recipe come playoff time is get six innings and get to your bullpen. But the way that the the way that the the, the Yankees' bullpen has been this year, maybe they need maybe they want Cole to get to eight and then give the ball to Chapman and try to sneak out of there with a win. Um, and especially interesting because we have Higashioka catching um, instead of Sanchez. Instead of Sanchez, so that means Sanchez is DHing probably, mm-hmm. um, and that and with the Yankees outfield depth, that means that if Stanton's in the lineup, he has to play left field, um, which means that you might take Frazier's bat or Talkman's bat or Gardner's bat out the lineup. So having to make that sacrifice, especially against this good of a pitcher, can definitely hurt. Though Higashioka can definitely hold his own with, at the plate. Um, you definitely have rather have one of those names I mentioned before in the lineup. Um, how do you how do you feel about tonight, and where what do you think that the Yankees can do in this weird playoff scenario? Um, well, I think tonight for sure is a must win. Um, you know, drop it. I mean, I, it's going to be a tough matchup, like you said against Shane Bieber, um, who's you know arguably the best pitcher in Major League right now. I mean, the way he's been playing, but um, I I just. I, you would hope that the Yankees, um, you know, get back into rhythm. If you're, you know, playing, um, you know, averages and how how up and down the season has been, the Yankees started off, uh, you know, slow, um, got better. Um, then they went on that 10-game – then they had a, you know, 
then then they had a real slump um and guys were getting hurt and guys were out um but tonight is a must win for Garrett Cole um the Yankees ended the season kind of slow right before leading into the playoffs um giving them they're the fifth seed right they're the fifth seed um I so I guess I guess kind of an underdog mentality we'll see um how they use that to their advantage except I'm sure playing, um, you know, in those pinstripes, you never see yourself as an underdog. But, um, I mean, I hope these guys can step up. I think Judge Judge and Stan, um, you know, they were turning their best a little towards the end of the season. But um, I think, you know, the big story of the season, um, who definitely the team MVP, I don't know if you would give him a MVP, but um, LeMahieu has been great. And he's been hitting great um, after, after catching that COVID bug early. But um, it seems like it worked out for him. And he's hitting pretty well. Uh, he's hitting uh, extremely well. But, um, I mean, hopefully these other guys, these Stantons. Um, Luke Voigt needs to continue what he did this season. He was neck and neck with Trout the whole year in terms of the AL home run race. And, if he can keep that up. I just – my thing with the Yankees is always, like, they live and die on the home run ball. And with pitching getting better in the playoffs, like, that always seems to fade away. And, like, right. it's like it's like runner on second or runner on third. And, like, you know how many times you've seen, like, Stanton strike out or, like, Judge strike out. Like, just, like, the simple things like putting the ball in play are things that are huge in the playoffs. And the Yankees are so boom or bust that I get nervous when it comes to playoff time because if they don't hit, like, a three-run home run, then – where like they're not the team that strings together hits yeah. besides like LeMahieu or maybe Urshela. So yeah, so I think I mean it's going to be a very interesting series and I th- Cleveland has a lot of arms. They've been there before. Um Lindor, Jose Ramirez, um all of them are are great hitters. They're going to give quality at bats, but hopefully Cole has his A game tonight and they can squeak out a few runs and pull off a game one cuz I think I think we know what we can expect from Tanaka come playoff time. Like, regardless of how shaky he is during the regular season at points, when it come when they need a, a big game in the playoffs, Tanaka's always he's always there. Mm. So I think that because you don't after Tanaka, you really don't know what to expect from they the. Hap- I, don't I don't. I mean, even I don't even know if the if they depending on how the series goes, they'll probably skip Garcia and go back to Cole depending mm. on the rest. So. It'll be really interesting to see, but I mean, I think a lot of, I think a lot of teams are in this position, especially because the way that the season was so condensed that a lot of arms are fatigued, a lot of pitchers are fatigued, a lot of bullpen help is fatigued, and just to see how all that works out, how they're going to manage rest, how they're going to manage um, who they go to in the bullpen, especially with like completely different than normal circumstances, like. Uh, who knows, like, even uh, going to extra innings in a playoff game and all of a sudden now we start with the runner on second. Like, things that we've never seen before. Um, it's going to be really exciting. I'm very – I haven't watched the Yankee game in a couple of weeks, if we're being serious. But um, I'll be ready tonight. And I, I playoff baseball is such a fun thing to watch just because people talk about how baseball is boring. And I, I on, a, like, on a regular season scale where, like, especially like with the like the Yankees where after games in like August, they don't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single pitch in the playoffs matters. Um, so I think it's, it's like a three hour chess game basically. So yeah, the um, ante up is crazy for playoffs in most sports.
sports, which is when people, you know, start to watch them. It's when you start having your big parties. Um, and I know with me, the family likes to get together and watch Yankee playoff games. Um, you know, it's America's favorite pastime. You know, it's it's that sport that you you can always watch with the family, uh, that good old American sport you can watch with the family. Um, but it's fun. It's bonding. Um, and, yeah, definitely when the Yankees are in the playoffs, you know, and you're rooting for your home team who has won so much, um, you know, you get hype. Too. And, I mean, that winning again, that Aaron the other fact, no, yeah, the other factor we haven't talked about is, are the Yankees backs tired from carrying the Knicks, the Nets, the Giants, the Jets, the Rangers, the Islanders, uh, who else? The Red Bulls, New York City FC, all in their backpack this, the last couple of years. So, I mean, I hope they can keep it up, and I hope other teams in New York can join them soon. But um, for now, this is the closest thing we have to playoffs, and we, we got to enjoy it. Um, but on that note, that concludes another episode of the Shoeless Joe's podcast. Hopefully the podcast is going to be heard around the world. Um, we really enjoy making this content. We really appreciate you guys tuning in every week. Um, we really want to hear back what you guys think, what what you think we can improve, what you like. Where you want to focus more, you know, the topics that you guys are really interested in. All of it. Um, but we're, we're going to keep going, and we appreciate you guys sticking with us. You can follow us on Twitter at Shoeless Joe's Pod. Um, go interact with us over there. Like, really, like, tell us what you want to hear. Like we just said, um, it means a lot to us. You can follow me on Twitter at DJ Smoothie Seventeen. What about you, Zay? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at um, ISA eight two three six two zero. Mike just stepped outside, and a gust of wind blew right into his face. <laughs> um, but that's Isaiah, my name at two three six two zero. And on that note, go Yankees, fire Adam Gase, and let's turn it around, Alvin and the Chipmunks. And run the special teams very well, Joe Judge. We'll catch you on next week. So she didn't have a daughter, she didn't have a son She said the lift doesn't work, run up the stairs and come And if you don't come quick, you're not gonna know that's one So I grab a bunch of rolls and that Trouble double double, double. Swing. Swing.